Welcome to Sea Time, everybody. This is the online show for the off-road enthusiast. I am your host, Brian Pierce, and I guess I am your purveyor of awesome as well. I'm going to try to bring you as much dirt bike fun as I can with this awesome guest, like we have with Mr. Dale Spangler tonight. So, as we like to do, I have to ask Mr. Dale Spangler, how is your evening going, kind sir? It's going quite well. Um, I mean, half the week over. Can't really complain too much about that, right? Hump day. Absolutely. I like it. Well, uh, as I like to do on the show, and, and some people choose to do that if they like to, of course, I do have a beer, and I'd like to say thank you to Mr. Will Presson, who brought a couple Tennessee beers over to me when we were at the Revlimiter, and I've got one from Yazoo Brewing. It's Dos Peros. So apparently this is a Mexican-style beer. Trying to figure out like what it is specifically, but, you know. Let's give it a gander and see how it goes. Is there is there a beverage that you're consuming? Yeah, I actually got myself two delicious beverages. Um, they're both from a brewery out of Sparks, Nevada, called Revision, and they've been just kicking out tons of those Northeast style um, double IPAs, the juice oh. IPA. And so, yeah, I've got a, one called the Bruff Northeast style double IPA and then another double from them called Planetary Fog. Oh dude, that's where you're gonna be. You're gonna be in a bruff of fog by both <laughs> by the end of both of those. <laughs> <laughs> so like for for you non beer uh, connoisseurs, that's okay, but when it says double IPA, that's probably what, eight to nine percent, maybe like the high sevens. Yep, you nailed it. Yeah, the so, one's eight, I think, and then the other one's seven five. Yeah, so yep. two of the and they're sixteen ounces too, right? They're not twelve ounces. Exactly. Oh those yeah, that's sweet looking cans. The, oh, dude, this one I remember. Uh, so super quick sidetrack. I remember in the Dallas beer scene for some for reason we were getting a bunch of sixteen ounce cans. There it is. Mm, beautiful, beautiful sound. A bunch of sixteen ounce cans, and then all of a sudden that everybody started changing to twelve ounce cans, and I, I started to ask why, and somebody said it was because of shelf space. And I just kind of feel like that's a bunch of BS because everywhere else in the country, people just sell the shit out of 16-ounce cans of beer, right? I mean, does shelf space make sense to you? Not really. I mean, my beer store, Brewer's Haven, is, I mean, they just stack it, you know, stack them deep. and Well, they don't sell them cheap, but they, they stack them deep. But. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my Saturday nights. It ain't cheap, but we stack them deep. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> i like it i think we're off to a pretty good start here we've already had a couple of sexual con- innuendos uh there's beer involved i feel like at some point in time we're probably going to talk about dirt bikes and off-road and just see what happens well yeah i would imagine we'll get around to it <laughs> <laughs> well uh i know what my 2018 has been like and a lot of the people that pay attention to seat time we just really appreciate um, uh, how much we've grown, I guess, like to right off the bat, we very, very much appreciate it. Um, we posted the grim possible, um, stuff, right? The videos and some of the different stuff that we took Instagram wise. And since then, like things have gone ridiculous. Like, I think we were right around 3000 quote unquote fans on Facebook and now we're almost at 10,000. Um, and we've gained, I think about a thousand subscribers on YouTube. So if you were just to say, has the beginning of 2018 been good for seat time? Uh, Yes. Um, now that's, uh, you know what I mean? And, and what that means is I've now made a hundred dollars in YouTube advertising between December Dude. and January. So totally, totally killing it. 
Um, for those of you who wonder what 500,000 views on one video does for you, it ain't shit. <laughs> I so, mean, all that, all these years, I mean, you finally reached the pinnacle, dude. Finally made some money. Yes. <laughs> no, we, neither one of us would be doing what we're doing if it was all about making money. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's certainly not the case. But, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for you on the, the videos, getting some, you know, getting some views and some more boost, you know, as far as your, your following. And I was thinking to myself the other day, like, how much Texas has it going on with these cool events? It's pretty uh, nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it, the only, <clears throat> I think my only kind of like negativity towards that is that I feel like for some reason, so say like there's this, uh, the National Enduro, the Cajun Classic signup was actually this evening. Uh, they're in Louisiana. It's about a six hour drive for us, those of us here in the DFW area. And for whatever reason, that one and the Zinc race, I just feel like we just don't get nearly as many Texas racers as I would think we would get to those. And I don't know if it's just because a lot of Texas series are cross country race, you know, series, and people either A, don't know about Enduros, or B, think it's this thing that's so far away from a cross-country race that they don't even want to spend the time or money to go do it but for me they're so much more fun than a cross-country race i don't see why people wouldn't be chopping at the bit to go you know to get those kind of events sold out yeah i mean the only thing i can think of is i mean for one thing texas is well i don't have to tell you this but it's a big state you know so if you're going to come from say austin or houston i mean that's that's a pretty good haul up to zinc, probably. Yeah, imagine. it would be for sure to do zinc. Yeah, and LA, I mean, not that you know, that doesn't deter a lot of racers, you know. But I mean, I think the weekend warrior kind of racers probably are just aren't going to do it, you know. But and there's enough going on in Texas that they're able to kind of get away with it. But yeah, those those it's weird though how yeah you've got. You know the grim, grim possible. Yeah, is it grim possible? Or yeah, the grim possible just happened. Yep. What December last year? Yep. Yep, and then the Grinduro, and then um, what's the other one that you guys had last year? I think oh. it was in April. Oh, Balls of Palooza. Yep. Yes. So it's like these really cool one-off events that, to me, in, in a way, are kind of, you know, almost kind of the future. I think because it looks like every one of them, they're, you're getting really good turnout of spectators walking around, watching the different sections. So. It seems pretty cool. Yeah, for what Dale's talking about with Balls of Palooza, if you haven't gone and watched any of those, that footage and you've enjoyed some of the extreme stuff that's been going up, definitely go check that out. It's just a, It started with a bunch of guys around a campfire, just like a lot of stuff with dirt biking does when you start challenging your buddy to things. Um, and it grew into something that people started to want to, hey, when is that going to happen? We want to go spectate. And now they kind of put it on and they, they cap it at 20 riders. Uh, there's limits on how long it takes you to do things and stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's, it's you know, set up a section and go do it. So it's a lot like a trials event, but it's for big bikes. Um, but the, it's heavy, heavy, heavy on spectating and making sure that if you want to make fun of your buddies as they're falling downhill, that you're there with a keen view to do that. Absolutely. And you guys are getting a hare and hound this year. Yeah, that's, I know. And I'm, I was so excited that it was not that, you know, that they moved it and who knows why it looks like it's a different property as well there in West Texas. But, um, unfortunately it's on the open week, opening weekend of the TCCRA, which is the Texas cross country racing association. So, you know, it'll be, I, I think it'll be a thin Texas turnout, which sucks. Uh, but you know, I'm going to be there. So it, I'll at least get my first hare and hound under my belt. On my yeah. Sherco 300, 
We'll see how that Man, goes. <laughs> how many people can say that they've ridden a national enduro and a hare and hound in the same year? I bet not that many people probably can say that. Oh my gosh, you're right, because one is like super east coast and one is typically super west coast. I mean, they're they're at the opposite ends of the spectrum for off road racing. One is ridiculously fast, and the other is probably about as tight as you can get. Yeah, depending on the course, but. Yeah, and Louisiana, which we obviously I was trying to get to something, and we'll talk about why that's hap- not happening in a bit, but uh, it was gonna, you know, now it'll be Cajun Classic, and that's where I grew up riding, and I love those tight piney woods, man. Uh, those roots treat you like the baby head rocks you can't see that just pinball you into the weirdest places. It's the exact same way with those roots, but if we get decent moisture and not a mutter like last year, it'll be fun. Anybody that comes, it'll just be a good darn time. I always forget that you're from NOLA, Cajun. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense, you know, with your, um, how shall we say? An alcoholic? No, not not even that, just your... Lazy? I don't know. <laughs> your, your persona, your personality, you know, you just seem uh, outgoing and, I don't know, haven't gone to New Orleans, it seems like, yeah, it makes sense. What I thought was interesting, my wife and I went back for my 20th high school reunion, um, you know, what was it, October last year, and we're in the cab, right, and we're talking with the lady, or I'm sorry, in the Uber, who gets in a cab, right, uh, we're in, in, in the lift, and we start talking to the lady, and she just goes, honey, are you from around here? And I was like, well, actually, yeah, I live in Texas now, but I grew up around here. She goes, I can tell, and I can't remember what exactly she said, but, you know, Stephen once said that I have the gift of gab. And she said, she's like, I could tell because you're just like the rest of us. You're super social. You just talk and talk and talk. And I was like, oh, my God, I've never actually realized why I have it. But it's because I'm from New Orleans and everybody down there is just, you know, that lazy bon temps roulette kind of a thing. So let the good times roll and just keep Absolutely. on keeping on. That and uh, I'm, I drink a lot. So there's always that. Yeah. Well, you'll have that sometimes. So we've talked a little bit about sea time and what we've got going out there. If, I, if, if anybody who maybe just listens to the podcast and doesn't go to YouTube, there have already been three videos put out in 2018. So we had a Grinduro recap. I did put up a specific about three-minute video from Bratcoin Hill, which was just this crazy bottleneck at the beginning of one of the Rev Limiter Extreme Enduro races and then i put up the rev limit extreme enduro recap so if you haven't checked those out go check those out that's kind of where i hate to say it my seat time effort lies it's going to be videos for youtube and i'll post some of that stuff to facebook and instagram and then you know hopefully getting one to two podcasts a month out there for you guys but dale you're the opposite of that you know you're you're a literary you're you're one of those educated grammar types that uh, <laughs> enjoy not the spoken word but the written word, you know, more than one, more more one of the other. So, what the heck have you been up to so far with Dirt Buzz for 2018, and, and what should we expect coming up? Well, I was able to. So, I have a little series that I've done a few different events with, kind of like called the so the Dirt Buzz Experience, um, where I go to different races, like for example the Zinc Ranch national enduro which you know we hung out at last year and then i I wrote a piece about the entire experience from start to finish and so this year i I went down to uh the opening round of the big six series the atalanta grand prix and wow what what an event i mean uh i can't say enough about how surprised i was when i rolled into that place and was just how many riders they have shown up for those races i want to say they were close to um, I think just under 2,400 entries 
Uh, obviously, that's not all riders, but you know, that's people. That's class signups. But unreal. I mean, that's a big so number. Many, yeah, so many riders. The format super cool. So it was over three days. Uh, I stayed for two, so I got in on Friday. Flew into Ontario, California, and drove up to the, uh, Atlanta, which is you know Hesperia, kind of the high desert area. I'd never been there before, so that was a unique experience. Um, and yeah, so Friday I, I roll up and I just was like, was not expecting it. You know, I was expecting something like a Heron Hound or Enduro, even the Zinc Ranch. There really wasn't that many people on the day before the actual race. Well, this was just, I mean, every spot taken trucks haulers like just packed and then they had some uh <clears throat> unlimited classes and so like caleb russell and um uh, eric yorba you know like a lot of the top guys gary sutherland they're out there riding this unlimited race for 45 minutes where literally anybody can race it 85 vet guys pro riders doesn't matter run what you brung <laughs> so is it really is it really just a way to get practice in and to maybe get like 10 bucks as entry fee for practice yeah i think so i mean they don't really hand anything out or you know there's no i mean people don't really take it serious that's pretty much what it seemed like to me it was just a way to get out there see the course before the next day and yeah they get a little more money out of it for the series and so and then the vendor's row was just, I mean, there had to be 100 people set up. I mean, it was like a fair, cross between a fair, a race, and a, what was the other thing I used for that? But it, Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think, because it was, I liked what you said. I mean, yeah, it was just, it's really incredible, like super unique vibe where, you know, you've got, you know, the the hammer deal where you hit the, you hit the, um, take the sledge and hit it and try and ring the bell. And then they've got, you can get a tattoo. Like <laughs> a tattoo head. tattoo. A real tattoo, and then. Well, what does yours say? What did you get? What did you get uh, one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got mom on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Des for life. <laughs> Hi, Des. My yeah. first time here. Hi, Des for life. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience though, and overall, I was just, yeah, super impressed. They've got something going right there. Um, you know, Scott Perkins, who's the marketing guy. Like, I hung out with him, and was able. He took me around, and just kind of told me how everything sort of works and just just kind of show we walk some of the course and of course that event they start on pavement so they're just pinned down the road uh, atalanto road mm-hmm. and then hook a left under the dirt and there's some ridiculously fast sections and then there's duro cross sections and so yeah it was cool so i'd definitely go back to one of those definitely i really cool. enjoyed uh <clears throat> so you shared the uh the Atalanto video. So you not only did you put together your 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 120 raw video for Dirt Buzz, but you also shared uh, the Fast House video that they put together, and I watched that, and then it kind of brought me into some of their their older ones. I just love that brand. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's I, I just like whoever their designer is. I just really think that they've got a good grip on who they are, who they want to be, and, and how to kind of live in that in that brand. It's neat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then I, the guy that shoots the video and photos too is uh, Brendan Lutz, who used to work at Transworld, and I think he was somewhere else after that. But he he's just so good. I love his style. Like he he just fits those guys really well as far as how he shoots yeah. his videos and just how he edits them. And yeah, really really good stuff. So I was yeah had to share that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope. I really enjoyed it. It made me go. It, it's tough because when I when I shoot, 
I try not to always just do the run and gun. You know, I try not to always have things in a certain kind of quote unquote easy way to shoot so that I can get into a situation, pull focus and then go and then chase whoever I need to chase. It's just watching some of the shots that this guy set up, you know, as I kind of broke apart the way that he uh, filmed and edited his, his video, I was like, ah, it's just so nice. Just, you know, it's like watching something that Cole Kirkpatrick would do, you know, like, sure, yep. there, there's a couple shots where you can tell that he may not have gotten the focus he wanted in this, but then you look at other shots that he spent the time to set up certain <clears throat> angles and th- oh, it's just like, oh, God, those guys, they just see it differently. And it's so neat to be able to, uh, you know, I guess appreciate that for me anyway. Yeah. So beyond that, I'm just, you know, keep doing what I'm doing here in 18. This is I'm kind of in my third year with Dirt Buzz and. You know, as we talked about, it's it's hard to kind of like do something like that and make a living doing it. Obviously, that's not why I got into doing it, but the same token, it's it's not it's not cheap. You know, like I'm going to all these races on my own dime. I, I, I do that on purpose. I don't want to, you know, mix my day job with, um, you know, with dirt buzz. I want that dirt buzz to remain neutral, and so I can share videos like the Fast House one. Like I don't really care who it is. I just want to share stuff that's promotes off-road and and riding dirt bikes in general yeah so yeah i'm not sure how many i'll get to this year but i know there's not cheap when you you're paying for everything yourself so but i i knew i know that and it's i enjoy it i mean you know, i'm able to do it i'm at a point in my life where to be able to go do something like that and give something back that's makes me feel good you know that's that's what i like to do so it's fun yeah, it's been neat, man. It, it's crazy how many people have have very graciously come up to me and, and, and a either said that they've enjoyed what I've done or keep it up or thanks for the content any of that kind of stuff or literally walked up and handed me a beer and I am just like they're just like hey I, I know you like beer I'm sorry this isn't something special but I just wanted to give you a beer and I'm like thank you like I, you know what I'm like and we've talked about it multiple times like I'm not. I may come across as a beer snob, but I'm a beer enthusiast first. So if someone's going to take the time to listen and appreciate what I do and then and then try to reward me for it in whatever fashion, I'm going to accept that no, no no foul play. Like, I'm in. Let's drink this beer together. Even if we're going to shotgun it, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah. party on, Wayne. It's kind of the way I look at it. I agree with you. Yeah, and it's, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's nice to be able to do something where you're you're giving back and like you said, if you even if you hear you have one comment on a story and they're like, you know what, this is really like cool. It made me think about things differently. Uh, yeah, like another example is like I like writing stories that inform riders about what these promoters really have to go through. Like I did a piece on the club that puts on the Idaho Hare and Hound. Oh yes. And, I mean so many people were like, Wow, I had no idea. You know, like they gotta they lay this course out for months at a time and then have to turn that course into the BLM here in Idaho. And then they have to approve the entire course and then make sure that the riders don't deviate from the course more than like, I want to say 50 feet. If so, they can get the club can get fined. And so then the race is over, they tear everything down. And then the BLM has to come back in and they go through the entire course and inspect it and make sure there's no damage, excessive damage. And I'm just like, wow, how would you, I mean, how do they keep doing it year after year? I mean, that, that would just wear people down. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of dedication there. Exactly. And then just did another one with, uh, you know, Meg Argybright, um, who's Jacob Argybright's wife. She's mm-hmm. the chairman of the Heron Hound series. And so just talking about what they do, you know, like they brought 
the West Hair Scramble series into their National Hair and Hound Promoters groups because they were like, you know, we don't want to let see this series kind of die out, which it sort of was. And so they brought it into their fold and they've got clubs that help put put on the hair scramble events. And in fact, this year in Idaho, it's going to be a hair scramble and not a hair and hound. So we're it's kind of changing. And the clubs that put these on are allowed to decide, hey, do I want to do a hair and hound or do I want to do a hair scramble, which is even more cool. You know, they were able to choose. Hmm. And so, yeah, it was just, uh, I like to do pieces like that that inform, educate people because, I mean, we all know, you know, like I, I mean, I've been there being a motocrosser. You go to the track and it's, it's easy to complain about, yeah, the track sucks and, you know, it's dusty and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you know what? There's a lot of work that goes into putting on one of those races. And so I think if we just had a little more appreciation for those people, they would probably be a little nicer. <laughs> right. Yeah, I could see that. And I, I it's it's that double-edged sword, too, because in Texas, you know, if you've done – and I'm, I'm not I have not even from Texas, right, but I've raced a lot of the TCCRAs and Toro events, and, and some of them are on the same properties, and some of them ride the exact same trail, and they may just, you know, add, like, half a mile here or half a mile there or run it backwards or something. And that's when it, I'm just kind of like, you know, is this – is this what we really want to call a race now? I mean, like, cause it's just literally like the same, you know, blue grooved kind of beat up thing year in and year out. But, you know, to that same effect, it's like, man, if, if it's as tough as it is sometimes, like what they're talking about with the BLM, it's like, you, you know what, we're going to put together the best race we can and just have fun doing it. Yeah. And another thing I think is very unique is, you know, from East to West, it's so different in that everything back East is private land. I mean, for the most part, I think maybe there's some probably exceptions. Somebody can probably correct me on that. But out west, it's kind of the opposite as far as hare and hound. Where I'm at, Idaho, Nevada, all that area where there's a lot of public lands, they're able to put the events on there. But, um, I mean, I think we're going to see more and more of these, even like a hare and hound in the future could possibly be on, end up having to be on private land and potentially shorter loops, you know, maybe do four loops instead of two you know, doing 100 miles and splitting in between like a 50 and a, you know, a, a 60 and a 40 or whatever, 50-50. But I don't know. I think it's going to – eventually it'll probably end up having to go that direction. Yeah. It, and we're going to see a lot of changes too. I mean, like what just just the discussions I've had talking to people about the Ulta bike, right? Like electric bikes, as those become more and more of a thing, like how that could shape and change the the racing format moving forward just because it has to right you know pollution noise complaints any any and all of that land closures because of because of noise or or, or any of that so yeah we're going to see a lot change i think in the next 20 to 30 years that we don't want to accept you know and but we're going to have to find a way to stick together and support companies that I know like uh, Coveco and, and all those stuff and like just in Colorado like every year we go to Colorado and I talk to all the groups out there that that do so much work and try to donate money when we can and it's just nuts the amount of work those guys put in and all they're trying to do is keep the trails open and not let them close more than yep. anything else yeah a lot of thankless jobs that's for sure you know like you're talking about keeping trails open. I mean, we have dedicated people here in Idaho that, I mean, they don't even, I mean, there are people that work for the Forest Service. That's part of what they do is, I mean, how cool is that job? You know, your job is to go out with a pickup truck and a dirt bike and go out and clear trail and make sure everything's open in certain areas. And, but there's a lot of enthusiasts that they could care less about racing, but they're out there just doing it because they love it for everyone else. They're clearing stuff in the spring every year and they like enjoy being out there and just doing something like that. And so, right. yeah, a lot of those thankless 
kind of type jobs that uh, I think get overlooked a lot. Well, if anybody's listening is a member of one of those groups, especially one of the ones in Colorado or Idaho or anything like that, like, and there's links or places to educate more people on that, send them to us and I'll update the, uh, the website where the podcast will be posted in the notes. Uh, that way people can look into the notes and into what we write about everything um, and hopefully head out to there just to learn more. Even if they're not donating or anything like that, education is, is a great place to start. So hopefully we can help a little bit with that. We'll see, right? Yeah, absolutely. And another good another good place that I thought I'd mention is because it's based here in eastern Idaho is the uh, sharetrails.org um, uh, Blue Ribbon Coalition. And mm-hmm. so those those guys are advocating for um, uh, basically sharing trails, you know, like being able to keep access open to a lot of trails for not just dirt bikes, but, you know, mountain bikes, snowmobiles, all that type of thing. And so those guys, in fact, I'm actually meeting with the, the guy that's the editor of the magazine tomorrow. He's coming to visit my work. And uh, so, yeah, it'll be cool to talk with him a little bit. Maybe I'll try and do a feature with him here in the near future just to talk about some of the things that off-road is up against and how, how people can help. I like it. Yeah. And that's we're going to have to keep that education going. It sounds like a broken record kind of a deal. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a continual downward spiral. So we got to suck it up and either educate or actually take action. Hopefully we'll start to take action and not just talk about it, but we'll see. Um, So what Dale and I wanted to do, like where we kind of got the idea to sit down and chat and Dale and I chat a good, you know, we text every day, but we kind of like chit chat once or twice a month about just stuff. You know, we either call each other about personal things or we, and even when we do that, we wind up talking about dirt bikes regardless. We're like, Hey, we're going to have a quick five minute call. And 30 minutes later, we're, we're done talking about dirt bikes. Um, but yeah, we were talking about how, you know, we wanted to discuss what 2018 looks like. Um, either that's race wise, team wise, series wise, all that kinds of stuff. And so Dale did a great piece um, that kind of goes through that. Again, you can find that at Dirt Buzz, but there's a bunch of great information there. But we're going to kind of go through some of the highlights of that and other things that have come to mind since we've been talking to a lot of these racers since the the full series is about to start. You know, we've got a big six under our belt. We've got Rev Limiter under our belt. Uh, Super Enduro is going on right now with Cody Webb in the lead. Uh, So, and those are guys that are, you know, making changes this year. Uh, that have won those events coming in. So I, I think it's going to be pretty darn cool. So where do you want to start, Mr. Dale? I don't I don't need to always lead this. Sometimes I just like to facilitate. Well, I, I'd like to share maybe just a few things just from my experience of having been at Atalanto and just hearing a few things, you know, being a, kind of a, a mouse, you know, and the <laughs> overhearing over some things, you know. Um, but, yeah, so the piece that I did was called New Year, New Gear, an unofficial guide to uh, 2018 off-road team rosters and um yeah i mean a couple things that i had gone through and it's you know obviously it's very unofficial i just luckily i'm in a position where i work that i hear i overhear a lot of things and so i'm able to kind of confirm certain things without having to you know do a whole lot of digging but um one of the things i was surprised with at the big six was that you know sutherland being on the suzuki he is not gonna at least according from what he said he's not going to do the hare and hound series not going to defend his number one yeah that's crazy uh and you had just told me that but i mean shit with the way things went down for him with the pervines pulling the plug on his on his deal and his three-year contract uh, i'm sure he's scrambling for any kind of money right and he's just kind of like where can i potentially make the most 
And it sounds like it's going to be big six and works if he's going to win those and make championships. And that's why he should make those decisions. Yeah. And even from the way he started the big six, it's pretty much just going to be all eggs in one basket with the works because he didn't finish the big six. I mean, that was his first real, I mean, just talking to him, it was incredible that he even showed up because he barely had any time on that bike. He had tons of parts that he had to try and put on it and make it work. I mean, he's riding the RMX. It's not the RMZ. So it's already, you know, that's a little older technology. And so to make that thing run like other people's bikes, like you're going up against Caleb's factory KTM 450. I mean, that's, that's a pretty tall order when you only have a couple of weeks to put it all together. And so, yeah, he kind of smoked it. I don't know what happened to it, but he just, he made it about, I want to say an hour, maybe an hour, probably under that. And yeah, it was just, he pulled in the pits and Kiefer and I were there and it was just like, the thing stunk like, smelled like burnt wieners on the grill. Uh, no bueno. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, no compression, you know, whatever. So he didn't finish, which I think that's probably his, not to mention the money part, but obviously it's expensive to do a hair and hound because you have to travel so far. Um, the big six and works are all pretty close within a couple states. Um, and it's just, I, I mean, doing a hundred miles on that bike. I don't know. I don't know if it'd make it. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot to, there's a lot of question marks, you know, like we could tell that Suzuki is still making a lot of changes and trying to, trying to swing the shift of what looks like just a rapid decline in people wanting to buy and ride those motorcycles. Uh, especially I would imagine on off-road, but it, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a professional in that arena, so I'm not even going to try to make assumptions on what it would take them to do that. But, you know, I think supporting, find, you know, finding the ways to support somebody like a Gary Sutherland, I think is a great start. It, obviously he was in a poor position and people really stepped up to help him out. But I think if they could find the time and the money to really support him and put him back on the podium, if not winning those championships, it would just show so much more, not just how much of that working class hero, you know, that Gary Sutherland is, but what can really be done with a Suzuki? Yes, you know, out of the box, they may not be, you know, quote unquote, ready to race, but, you know, they're, you know, they're willing to work with teams and people and to get the bikes where they need to be. And probably I would imagine they're going to treat that like R&D. So that they're gonna, you know, take those notes back to to Japan and and start making real adjustments to those bikes. I mean, regardless, it's it was cool for Suzuki to step up, and obviously they've been kind of out of sight, out of mind for quite a while and off road, and so even for them just to do something, you know, to kind of work their way back in a little bit. And I'm also hearing that um, on the Suzuki front that Johnny. Uh, uh, Johnny Gerard is going to be on a Suzuki as well. I, in fact, I even saw a couple social media posts that were him riding on it um, on a Suzuki and all black stealth gear. So it's like, you know, super secret squirrel, uh, I guess. But um, looks like he's going to be on yellow. Yeah, that's interesting because it's a four stroke as well. And we don't, we've, I don't know that I've ever seen him on a four stroke. Yeah. He's the two stroke New England Ripper. The, yeah, the new England Ripper. Yeah, for sure. So that'll be interesting. Do you do? Is there, uh, even though he was in the blacked out gear, was there anything about the bike or who who that team thing might be under or through? I have a feeling it's going to be. Um, um, shoot, what's his name? He's out of Indiana. Um, this is what Ricky Russell rode for when he was on Suzuki's. I think it's that team. Uh, Overmeyer. Overmeyer. Yep. Yeah, I th- I have a feeling it might be. 
might be that, but I could be way off. You know, like I don't, I don't really have any inside knowledge on that. Just some of my New England friends were kind of piping in on our Dirt Buzz um, group that I started, saying, "Hey, check this out." So they posted a, someone posted a social, you know, like an Instagram video in there, and that's where that came up. Interesting, interesting. Well, um, so that's. Uh, Interesting about the National Heron Half for Gary Sutherland, talking to him about that. It sucks that Big Six went the way it did for him. Hopefully, as you mentioned, it can turn around for works. But what else, uh, while you were out there, did you pick up? Yeah, actually, and I'd heard like a rumor that the uh, Ox Motorsports team, who um, Zach Bell, you know, the, the Big Six champion from mm-hmm. 2017, you know, people probably wondering why also he's on a Husqvarna. He showed up, you know, with the number one plate on a the three brothers Husqvarna. Well, evidently that's, I mean, it's expensive to run a team. And I think like Colton Udall and, and, uh, the other guys on the team, I think the Mark Samuels, I mean, I think they just probably realize it's just, it's tough, you know, with like, well, just like with Gary Stone without money, I mean, you can get all the free product in the world, but it doesn't help pay the bills and it doesn't help pay for gas and get you to those events. And so I think that's where it's probably, and it looks like, you know, like Samuels went and did Dakar this year, and I think he finished. I think he did pretty well, actually. I think he got, like, 22nd overall. But so he's probably changing direction a little bit. And so, yeah, that's understandable. That's interesting. That's two number one plates that weren't at the same, you know, that I don't. we don't know if it was Zach Bell that, you know, the rug was swept out from underneath him, but. You know, he got the number one on the Ox Motorsports last year in Big Six, and then he's going to be riding for Three Brothers. On well, he is now for 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 Big Six. Yep. And then the other thing, I think I probably just recently, in fact, I actually just sent a DM to uh, Frank over at KR Four, and I was like, "Hey, when are you going to announce your officially announce your lineup?" And he's like, "Well, it's going out tomorrow." So, but he goes, "Here it is." And so it was. You know, the only the only thing that really was a surprise to me was. Uh, they have an XC2 router that they're bringing over from uh, New Zealand named uh, Liam Draper and uh, had never heard of him. I did a quick Google on him and evidently he's kind of an up and coming rider over there. He's been training with Paul Wibley. Mm. So like Wibley's Uh-oh. kind of took him, taken him under his wing and been training him. And in fact, he beat Wibley in a couple of races, extreme sort of enduro races over in New Zealand. And so, yeah, it sounds like a, you know, a, a good guy to bring over and give a shot. Well, that's cool. And they did that with Taylor Jones too. And they're keeping her for this year, but, and then Corey Butrick, uh, who else is, uh, Lane Michael. You, you, yeah, you just updated that. Uh, yeah. And then Colin Keegan, who's going to be XC three. So he'll be on the one twenty five. But yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see that Lane Michael's going up to XC one. I mean, that'll be interesting to see. I mean, he has, he's definitely like a super smooth rider. So, him i think you know like if he doesn't he might not have the man strength yet but he definitely has the style i feel like to ride a 450 really well he's just a super smooth fluid rider so it'll be yeah. cool to see i think he i could see him getting a couple podiums and it looks like the way you wrote this too you wrote Corey buttrick and the first thing is national enduro then full gas then gncc but for lane michael is the other way around gncc first is that just the way you wrote it or is that the way they wrote it and that there's actually some specificity there, meaning that the way, like what they're going to focus on is the first in the, in the list. Yeah. See, like when I originally did that, like for Corey, for example, like national enduro, I think is his primary focus. And so that's why I listed it first and then full gas. And then originally it was select GNCCs. 
But when Frank sent me that, he said he didn't really say get into detail. He just said GNCCX he won, so I just kind of changed it to mm. who knows. Maybe he'll do all of them. Maybe he'll only do a couple. But sounds like that from the way I have it listed, those are kind of the primary focus of each each rider. That's a lot. Like yeah, yeah. And that's what Baylor did last year and won two of those championships sick as a dog. Like you know, like where he almost where he went to the hospital after a GNCC. Yep. I mean, that's a good one to segue into, like, Baylor. I mean, them basically starting – I mean, it's not like they started their own team, but I think they have an, kind of an investor, someone that has, you know, some good monetary support, the Tele Energy guys. And yeah, so- let, me, let me bring that up. Uh, so uh, it, I need some more detail. Yes, and Stewart said the owner has a passion for it, it being obviously racing dirt bikes in GNCC, and his kid and his nephew race, and they own a shop. And he just wanted to start a team. It was a bet, and this is what he said: that it's a good fit for him because he's kind of an industry outcast, and this allows him to not need to try to fit into a factory team. Absolutely, he's kind of like the skater of off-road. I mean, he just kind of has a his own way of doing things. He has his own things that make him comfortable. Um, one of them being, I think, being in his own program. I think when he's under the was under the factory tent. Under the radar, <laughs> he just was. Yeah, I mean, I think he just felt he couldn't be himself and relax, which is understandable. But you know, it's it's tough doing your own thing, obviously. And there's a lot of examples of that. You know, even in pro motocross, where you have Chad Reed and these other people starting their own teams and not being able to do it fully. And so it's ambitious, but I also think he's going to have good equipment. You know, his KTM supporting him, so I think it's going to be kind of a, a lot of the same. From 2017, I think he's going to be kicking ass. And then hopefully Grant, maybe he'll get back being comfortable as well. And he seems like he's just been so off the radar and quiet like last year where it'll be cool to kind of see him get back in the mix. Well, what do we know about Zach Nolan? That name sounds really familiar, but I'm not pulling too much from it. Yeah, well, he he won uh, a real muddy GNCC a couple years ago. He actually won the XV2 class. I think it might have been like the final round or one of those Indiana rounds. And he was riding, I think, a Yamaha then. I think just riding for a shop. And he, uh, I believe he won. Yeah, I mean, he actually won an XC2 race. Awesome. And then you said XC2. I just thought of this. You didn't, did you put Hunter Newworth on here for his little Yamaha deal? Yeah, he is, I think, riding out of a shop. I yes, say. I believe that's correct. Yep, it is. I can't remember what the name of it now. But. Uh-uh. And then there's Waynesburg Yamaha. Yeah, which I think Waynesburg is a shop in Pennsylvania. And so, yeah. And then the weird thing to me is like Coastal's another strange one. I'm like, what happened there? You know, it seems like I don't really understand where everything. It seems like everybody's sort of scattered. And then now they just have Craig DeLong and that's it. You know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure there either. And I know that Ryan Sipes. It sounds like he's going to be doing select races because he wound up picking up kind of a. Uh, edi- I don't know if it's an editorial gig, but uh, he's he's been pitching in with the Racer X guys. Um, so maybe just because he got offered that position, it could make a little bit of side money doing that. That he didn't need to race full time, and he's probably realizing that he's done a good job making the transition to GNCCs, but he may not be getting the results that he wanted, so he's just going to be doing select races from here on out 
um, for for things like that. But I don't know if he still has any ties, right, with Coastal Racing, if he's going to be on a KTM like he was before that or if he's going to be on a Husky again when he's doing those select races or you know, we've seen him show up at out, Outdoor Nationals, too, so I'm sure that's probably going to happen in 2018. Yeah, and even the straight rhythm last year, which he did pretty well. Shoot, that's right. Yeah, he was on the two-stroke class, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was, like, full-on, you know, if, if I guess we can claim it in the off-road scene as he was representing. Boom. I mean, he, yeah, he did really good. I mean, let's not put me up there and ask me to represent the off-road crowd, but uh, go him. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, you will be representing the off-road crowd here pretty soon. Do you want to tell people about that, your little announcing gig? Oh, so uh, as everybody, if everybody pays attention to any of Sea Time or me on social, like I, I was big thing for Dad and I was we were going to try to do a couple of the National Enduros this year, and so one of those was I signed up for Sumter, and I was super excited about that. Well, I got a random call from Mr. Jimmy Lewis, uh, used to work at Dirt Rider. Oh, excuse me. The beer is working. It's magic. Uh, used to work at Dirt Rider and now does dirt bike tests and obviously a lot of other things uh, in the dirt bike world. But uh, he called me up and he was asking what I was doing for King of the Motos. And I said, well, I think I'm going to be at Sumter. I think it's the same weekend. He goes, well, um, I'd like you to be our second announcer for King of the Motos for the live show. And I'm like, what? So, yeah, so I'm going to be uh, kind of the... The second, you know, you know, they always like to have two people so they can throw throw ideas back and forth at each other and really have a discussion versus just talk. Um, and so I'm going to be one of the, the one of the two announcers for the live live broadcast that happens at King of the Moto. So it'll be live on Saturday night on the ultra. Everything will be live on the uh, ultra4racing.com website, um, but it'll be for a Saturday night when they're doing the night racing, and then for all the motos that happen there on Sunday. So, yeah, that'll be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to that. I, you know, I, I love doing this. I love talking dirt bikes and being able to have a platform for that. Um, and so to to have been given, I guess, a larger platform that obviously is not one of my own creation that I've been asked to come into somebody else's platform, and it's obviously much larger than my own. Um, very, very appreciative for that, and I think it's going to be one heck of a wicked cool experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think... I mean, I'm super, super happy for you because, I mean, it's just, it's cool, man. I mean, you put a lot of time in and to be considered for that is pretty darn cool. And so, hey, man, it's your moment in the sun. Take, you know. Oh, I'm going to, yeah. It may, it may never happen again. And that's totally fine. I've already told my wife, I was like, I'm going to, like, my whole plan, like, w- the week before, you know, next week for me is going to be all the research. Um, the plane ride out there is going to be solidifying my notes, questions mm-hmm. I want to ask people. Um, it's just, I want to, I want to blow this out of the water. Like I want, um, I, I think, you know, I, I just do period. Like, I just want to have, I, I feel like I do have a lot of knowledge on these writers cause I've been talking about them for a long time, but at the same time, I, you know, sometimes we do just make assumptions because we think that's what it is. And I don't want to have to do that. I want to be, I want everything to be top of mind. So yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of time doing a lot of research this coming week. Um, and then solidifying everything on my, on my three hour plane right out there. Doing some pre-riding on Friday, so that way you guys get some helmet cam footage for the live broadcast. Uh, brought to you by me. I don't know that it'll be the best uh, precursor of how the professionals ride, but it'll definitely be entertaining. <laughs> Nothing else. Well, I definitely. Uh, I'm just happy one of one of the good guys is getting a shot, and uh, I definitely want to make sure. I, I hope there's a couple Fromans thrown in there. On your, uh, on your... <laughs> 
Yeah, whenever I uh, when I get back, I'm gonna be like, okay, guys, listen, I cursed about twelve different times. Here's the audio clip that you need to blurp that bleep that out with. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, you just have to do it. Sorry, and it'll be the Froman. I love that. I think that's the most hilarious. I really enjoy those. Like, I think they're just so hilarious. Like, because you're just, I mean, I don't even know how anybody can walk, uh, ride and talk to begin with, but you seem to do it no problem, and it's hilarious. So, uh, I, I enjoy it. So, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to put together a good show for you guys, and obviously pay attention to all the Seat Time channels, because I will be posting about when we're going to be going live and behind the scenes and things like that. And obviously, I'm going to bring my camera. I'll do a little bit of vlogging for you guys, so to, to kind of put together a behind the scenes of what it's like doing that. I, I don't even know, because this will be the largest production I will be a, will have been a part of, for sure. Um, so, it'll be interesting. Should be radical. It should. So... One of the things that you mentioned to me was about Caleb Russell doing the big six. And so that'll, that can lead us into kind of KTM and what they're doing. But well, I think it's interesting. I, I asked, I said, well, hey, did you talk to Caleb Russell about bike changes, right? Because GNCC riding the 350, having that setup down, dialed for so many years, what the heck did he do different for going out west? And he was just like, nope, my big six bikes, it's a 450. Um, he said it's excuse me it's not that different it's just a little bit stiffer suspension um and he, and he did put a stabilizer on he says typically he has not run with a stabilizer but it's just using that because of the fact that there are so many higher speeds involved um and i said well which 450 and it was an xc and i said well did you change anything within the transmission specifically because of the higher speeds and he said no uh it's a standard built factory services rocket ship power plant <laughs> I bet, yeah. you know, like, there we go. <laughs> like, I mean, I swear, I don't remember where I heard this or maybe I'm just completely making it up, but I swear that Caleb said something about on social media about hitting his GPS saying that his top speed was 102. And I'm like, I mean, I could believe it because some of the sections, there was a section at, at that Atlanta Grand Prix where they were coming back towards Atlanta Road. And I want to say it was like, it had to have been like, I don't know, just under a half a mile long the straightaway, and it's like a fire road. So, I mean, they're just pin top gear as fast as they can go. And so, <laughs> I mean, to me, I'm just like that made it all the more impressive to me that he's even coming out and racing that series because, wow, I mean, that's that's a big change. And I mean, those dudes, I mean, you saw it, you know, like he got Caleb got fifth, which I thought was really good. I really, I don't think you can look at that first race that he did and kind of say, you know, what happened because he got second in the first one in Havasu. I think Havasu is a little more motoy, less high speed. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, those the, those dudes are fast. You know, he even said that. And so, but I just, I'm just impressed that you know, I'm more of a Caleb Russell fan after talking to him. He was super nice. I'd never met him before. He'd never met me, and so it's just. He just, we talked for five minutes. He, he was totally cool. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because it's kind of like a Ken Roxon thing, right? Like a lot of people maybe don't like Caleb Russell because he's honest. Like he's, there. there's no, he's not going to, he's not going to church it up, right? He's just going to say how he feels, say what he means, and this, that, the other. And I think it just kind of like, you know, like wads up a couple people's panties because he's just who he is. Um, kind of like it does with Ken Roxon sometimes, like people like because people either love him or hate him with some of the stuff that he says, um, and and I could imagine that that's the same way people see Caleb Russell. So I don't yeah, know. I mean, I I thought he was like so nice. I mean, he was just genuinely a nice guy, and I'm like, 
wow, this is kind of like in some ways not what I expected just because my only impression was, you know, watching GNCC live feeds and I'd never met him in person. And for me on his po on the podium speeches, that's where I guess I got a lot of what I thought of him, you know, because, but the more I think about it, I think, you know what, that's, that's my bad for not, you know, thinking about being in his position, you know, like if he doesn't win, that guy wants to win every time he gets on a bike. And so when he doesn't win, he wears his heart on, his, you know, his emotions are on his sleeve and he's kind of pissed. Right. And that's kind of cool, you know, like maybe it comes across a little dicky, but on the same token, it's like you can look back at in moto days and people like Bob Hanna and some of these other races were like, they were genuinely pissed when they didn't win. And so I guess in a way you can't really, you can't fault that. No, yeah, I've always been a Caleb Russell fan, and granted, I've had I've had the the pleasure of being able to talk to him right on the seat time and stuff like that, and he's always just you know had a Miller light in his hand, and we're talking dirt bikes, so it's always just kind of been a thing, and it's just very normal. So yeah, and I think that you're, you're right that people see some of the stuff he says and just takes it in a weird way. Yeah, but like I said, it's I mean I never would have expected to hear that he was going to come out and ride the Big Six series. I mean, like just I don't know, I could completely juxtaposition you know from gncc like let's just go out west and race this series and but in the same token it's like good for big six because they're gonna get that much more exposure because it's caleb russell you know gncc champ racing the series now so i think in a way even the other his fellow racers from at least from what i heard are happy about it too they're like you know what this is awesome like we're we're really actually genuinely stoked this guy actually came out here and wants to race our series. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. But usually it was always the other way around. I mean, I think maybe Strang went from GNCC to works that one year. But, I mean, other than that, it typically tends to be more of a West Coast guys go to East and ride GNCC than the other way around. So, I mean, there's definitely no GNCC guys that are going to go ride Hare and Hound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, uh, so – Coming from uh, Caleb Russell, talking a little bit about Cody Webb, quickly, obviously going to be doing Enduro Cross, Super Enduro, and Extreme Enduros. Well, he's currently winning Super Enduros. He uh, did good in Poland, but he's won Germany. Enduro Cross won't start up for a while. And then Extreme Enduros, he won a rev limiter on that TPI 250, which he'd never ridden before. He only did some play riding on it on on Friday for setup. So I think he's going to do really good. Um, hopefully he gets, uh, I think he's going to win all the extreme Enduros in the States, including the Tennessee knockout. And I hope that as he continues to head to Europe and to other parts of the world for more, you know, the larger extreme Enduros, I hope that he has, I guess you could say better luck um, or, or just that more experience now plays in his favor. Cause I really do think that he is, he's becoming a true top contender and some people will accept that and some people won't. And so, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think he's coming into his own. Like he's kind of finding his groove and he's happy. You know, he's confident with himself and he's cool, calm. And I mean, he's always been a cool, mellow guy. But I mean, I did an interview with him at the uh, Boise Enduro Cross last year. And I was just impressed with how like he, he seems really confident in himself right now. And he just, uh, I don't know. I, I could see him being taking it to the next level in some of these, you know, that new series, the West series, the uh, World Enduro Super Series that's being created. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Because he's supposed to be competing uh, in that. Yeah, he's going to compete in that. And I just feel like, I don't know, I think I think you'll see some potentially a win out of him this year in one of those events. Like the, 
he's at that level right now where I think he could do it. Yes. Okay, so Taylor Robert, Hare and Hound and Works. Uh, I, I think, okay, so Hare and Hound, if Gary Southern is not there, um, you know, I, I think that there's a good chance that Taylor Robert is going to win this thing because he was winning it until he got injured last year. Um, coming back, he did win a couple of the last ones as well. Works, I, I, I would say that he's one of the faster guys, but I don't know that it's easy for him to win, right? I think if Gary Sutherland's going to do some bike work, get his, uh, I say stuff together, but I don't mean it in a negative way, right? You know, get everything sorted with, yep. with, the, with the bike and just can ride like he did last year, then he's going to be very competitive to Taylor Robert. Uh, Josh Toth, GNCC XC2 National Enduro. I think that's great for Josh Toth. We're seeing a lot of the New England guys that have, for so long, everybody was like, oh, they just, they're just good J-Day racers. Um, it's great to see these guys really being able to uh, you know, bust their way into the top because you could see the way that they rode, that they're, they're top guys. They're just currently they were in a place that couldn't make it to all the nationals. They made it to a couple of national style events. They put their name out there. They did extremely well, and it's been paying off for them ever since. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the for like the Ampro guys, I'm sure they're pretty disappointed, you know, with losing him that after kind of grooming him up through and, and winning a championship last year the way he did, and, and then to lose him to KTM, which that had to be a tough pill to swallow. But I also think KTM is such a marketing machine to where it's like they their riders kind of like they bleed that orange to where they're just – I mean, it's hard to kind of compete against that when you have that the appeal that KTM does, you know, with their equipment and just the way they promote their riders. And so, I, I expect him to do the same thing he did last year. Like, I think he'll be really good. Um, on Taylor Robert, I don't, man, it's weird. Like, I feel like he's been off the radar. Has he been hurt? Yeah, he got hurt. Uh, at one, uh, uh, he got hurt at King of the Moto. Uh, remember last year was where he had his really bad get off, and then he was uh, also hurt kind of mid season at the Heron Hound. So he just had a a bad year for for health. So yeah, it's weird. I also heard on the Heron Hound front that Kendall Norman's coming back. I think I saw that too. That's going to be kind of cool, huh? Yeah, and then like I think Argy Bright probably will be racing it again. He's um, uh, I think he's doing his own thing with uh, you know, yeah. It's, Kind of his Ch- own Chittister, right? Yep, Chittister, yep, the transport company. And I think they've actually been supporting him for a while as kind of a, a sponsor, but now it's just going to be kind of his own deal. Yeah, it says uh, Heron Hound and Best in the Desert. So he may be competing in all of those series or just, you know, the ones he could make. Um, so that's it sucks to hear, but at the same time, as we know, that just racing dirt bikes at the professional level can be expensive without factory support. So. Yeah, that's just to be in his wheelhouse. That the best in the desert. He won that last year. He has the number one plate, so he's gonna. He's trying to defend that, and I think he's. Well, the first round, which I think was the Parker two hundred and fifty, he had some bike. He ran out of gas. That's what it was. Uh, Skyler Howes won that event, and so he still has a chance to defend the number one plate. But that seems to be kind of fit a little better with the Heron Hound series as far as what he's his specialty is. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, we got Ricky Brayback, you know, coming back for JCR. And especially after coming back from Dakar, like I think he did the same thing last year where he just came back from Dakar. Or maybe it was something else. I think it was some other race he was doing. But anyways, I kind of put it definitely between Brayback and Taylor Robert. 
I mean, I'd see those two as being the dominant ones. You know, uh, yes, I would agree. I'm trying to think through, like, who we've seen kind of, like, you know, in, in the top of the results here. Let's see. So we got Sutherland first, Robert second, Axel Pearson third, Jacob Argybright fourth, uh, Burson, then Brayback, but then Brayback missed a couple. I'm trying to remember. Was it a injury thing or was it something else? Yeah. Yeah, he kind of he actually broke his – I want to say he hurt his lower back, and he tried to ride, but he couldn't, and – Right. So, yeah, but I mean, he had think... he had was it first, second, first, first. So obviously being healthy and coming back after a great Dakar, except for the way that it ended for him bike wise, um, you know, he's gonna be Yeah, Taylor Robert, the last four, one, two the last five, he was first, 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 second, first. So <laughs> Yeah. And then teammate to Brayback, who was unbelievably impressive at the big six round that I went to is Trevor Stewart. Wow. I mean, that kid, I don't think a lot of people know who he is. And I mean, I saw him coming up and he was one of those kind of fast house kids that they're kind of promoting him quite a bit. He was on a two stroke two fifty, I think. And, uh, but damn man, that kid is super impressive. And I'm, I'm going to do an interview with him here in the near future because he has a pretty good story to tell. And I mean, the kid was ready to hang it up and, couldn't get any support and um he even wasn't even sure he was going to race this year in 2018 and then he got a gig where he's a honda test rider he goes to japan and Mm -hmm. uh works on does rd stuff over there for you know like weeks at a time and then so as part of that deal once they heard caleb was going to come race that big six they found some more money to help him do the big six series oh so they could have a honda guy out there yeah, uh, against all that, and then he's the. You said he won, right? He's the. He was he the Honda guy, the number him. one. Yeah, I mean, he was just he pulled. The, he got the whole shot and just checked out. I'm not gonna lie. In those podium pictures, if you go back and look at the ones that you took, um, that is somebody sent him fly racing gear that is like eight times too big. Uh, because yeah, he's a pretty skinny kid. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, dude! Like, I was like. I was like, these aren't Jinkos, okay? You don't need to wear them like eight sizes too big. Like, it was... hey, what's wrong with Jinkos? There's nothing wrong with Jinkos. Okay, well, if you're still wearing the same ones from the 90s, then I would agree with you. If you've bought a new pair recently, then you're in trouble. I like the pipes. Pipes, man. <laughs> Pipe pipes, bro. Pipes. Um, okay, <laughs> so we don't wind up killing everybody by going extreme, like two hours into this thing. Let's. Uh, we'll, we'll try to see. I mean, I'm sure we can't, but we'll see if we can move along. And I have a question for you. So in Rockstar, uh, we saw a little bit of change there with Jacob Argybright not being on the team, and they brought in Dalton Shiri, Shiri? Um, Shiri. Shiri for Heron Hound and Big Six. So that's kind of like taking the place of Jacob Argybright. Uh, what do you know about him? Because I, I know he was on Ty Davis's zip tie team. Um, but beyond that, you know, I don't know too much about him. He seems like a very West Coast guy. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely kind of a mysterious guy too. And um, I tried to do an interview with him last year, and it just didn't kind of work out. We just didn't connect, and so I wasn't able to. But you know, I'd heard he was gonna, you know, be on the factory team, and I was stoked about it because you know he's one of those guys too, kind of like Trevor Stewart, where he's a young dude that's ton of talent, super smooth on the bike, like really tall, just. He looks cool when he's on the bike. And so, yeah, I mean, he got second at the Adelano round, and he actually turned the fastest lap of the race, 11 minutes and 15 seconds, which I think was like 
five or ten seconds faster than anybody else. And so he definitely has the speed. And so I think he'll be a contender in the big six for sure. And I know he's raced Heron Hounds before. I want to say he was on two strokes as well, like a 250A or something like that. Or um, So I don't know. I think he's just one of those kind of next generation guys coming up that I think you'll see his name quite a bit in 2018. Very cool. And so Thad Duvall uh, obviously got hurt a little bit for GNCC and had to kind of pull out of that, but then uh, with, uh, sorry, got hurt at the ISDE, tried to come back for GNCC, didn't happen. So unfortunately, his chances of trying to take down Caleb Russell were dashed at that point. He fought until the end with Stuart Baylor for the National Enduro Championship. So I think he's he's could potentially get either one of those. Yeah, I agree. I think he's really coming into his own he's maturing and you know he's getting to the point where i think he's just in a good place in his life to where he's comfortable and when he's that way i think he's rides well and so yeah. um, it's going to be tough to take down caleb russell though <laughs> i yeah. mean when the guy's done what he's done like well, i don't know why people continue to doubt him right um and when they do it fuels his fire even more so uh, yep. You know, I, I don't obviously wish ill will on anybody, but it, it, it seems like that's almost what it would take for him to not win again. But if we see him and Thad and a couple other guys go at it in the XC1 class, like that would be spectacular. But, you know, from what we've seen in the past, that's just not typically what has happened. Yep, I agree. Um, it's going to be tough to take down Caleb, that's for sure. I mean, the guy is just a machine, you know. And if Josh Strang is fully supported for the full gas Branduro, obviously he is with GNCC for the XE1 class. If they stick with that for the full gas, I think that that could be uh, definitely a top three, if not not a not a win for him. That is what you know the the Australian four day enduro that Daniel Milner and and uh, Matty Phillips, you know those those guys and Josh Strang are so good at that style of racing is what they just excel at. And so I think the full gas sprint enduro could be something that Josh Strang could, you know, really hang his hat on. Um, you know, he, he's obviously a top five guy in the XC1 class, but at the same time, I think the full gas, it, it, if I was him, that's where I'd be putting my mental best, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. It just fits his style. He's kind of a moto style rider, and he's just another one of those super smooth riders on the bikes where he's just, he looks fluid, he's able to jump. You know, that nothing kind of startles them, I guess, when it comes to the, the tracks. And I think the way that those full gas Enduros are, I mean, he it suits his style. You know, there's a lot of flat turns in a lot of cases where you have to be smooth on the throttle. And so I see, I, I, I agree. I see him being a contender for that title. All right. Colton Haker. Do you want to take this one or should I? <laughs> That's a tough one, man. I, I don't know what's going on with Colton Haker, man. I just feel like he's in a weird spot, you know. This is just my, my take, you know. Like, I've, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on with him, you know. I feel like after he got uh, – after last year, you know, getting hurt and then pulling out of the Enduro cross, just doesn't seem like it's been the same for him. Like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on with him. Yeah, and even though, you know, he's to be healthy and – Competing at Super Enduros, you you don't see, you just don't see what I would call a hundred percent, I guess. Yeah. Yep. So, 
I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think as we kind of go through this, we've talked about Telly. We've talked about Gary Sutherland. Uh, there, there's so much stuff to talk about on all these guys. Uh, I, I think Gas Gas being back is very interesting um, to kind of click through this a little bit. Andrew DeLong for me. Uh, I, I think at this point, the National Enduro is still going to be a strong suit. I think it's great that Gas Gas will be there uh, in the XE1 class, but being on a two-stroke these days is just proven to not work. Uh, these four strokes, they just create too much torque. Um, the horsepower that they create, uh, I think he's going to be at a detriment there. Hopefully it's just training essentially for him to have a better national enduro appearance this year. Um, Thorn Delvin, uh, Devlin, uh, that's a tough I one for me. A lot on so him. you do go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, that kid, I think he impressed me at this big cramps. I mean, the kid I feel like he has really good style. He's fast, young, kind of ambitious, I kind of see him being definitely a contender for the like the new any any pro two in national enduro. Mm-hmm. I definitely see him being a contender there. And I mean, I don't know what to expect GNCC wise, but I definitely see him in enduro being a contender. Yeah. Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah, I, it, he's a name that I've heard a lot and seen a lot of with the national enduros, but beyond that, that's kind of. Only place I've really seen his name. So to see that he's doing the GNCCs is kind of like, oh, cool. And if he's done them before, that's just my bad because I haven't noticed him in the ranks, kind of a thing. Nick Davis, I'm, you know, obviously huge question mark. Not gonna lie, like, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not on the East Coast. I don't, I don't know the guy, anything like that. Like all these guys are fast, but it just seems that he's just had a lot of stuff follow him either injury or this that the other so it's kind of a big question mark it's interesting to see travis coy um on gas gas this year doing more enduro crosses than i think he's ever done before because it says he's gonna be doing the series and then the west hair scramble series so that should be interesting yeah you know actually someone i think i missed on this list and was kind of a recent um was uh mitch corvath is that how you pronounce his last name right corvath mm-hmm. isn't he gas gas now wasn't he no Sherco. Oh, Sherco. That's right. Yes. I need to add that to the list, don't I? I think you got him on there. Yeah. Sherco USA, Mitch Carvoth, Enduro Cross and Extreme Enduro. Wow, I'm good. And that was such a weird debacle. I was was talking to him about that. I was like, what are you thinking of those Shercos? And he goes, well, they showed up right before I left. And I was like, well, what do you mean they showed up right before you left? He goes, well, I didn't really get a bike early enough to set up. And I was like, well, that sucks. So at the rev limiter this year, he had to ride his old KTM. Um, mm. so that was obviously strange, but again, I'm not a business guy in those meetings that knows when bikes show up and when things can happen and push, push buttons. So, well, I think anytime you like Europe is part of the equation, there's going to be a lot of weird things happening. Yeah. So Circo, Beta, Gas Gas, they all have that weird European connection where they do things differently. <laughs> and speaking of Beta, Beta, Gas Gas, both of those I mean, I'm super impressed and with both of those brands just for the sheer amount of people that they're helping out in off-road. I mean, you, you don't, you can't say that about motocross. You don't have, I mean, what are there, 10 brands in off-road? I mean, it's kind right. of crazy. Yeah, uh, and what I think is great, uh, you know, I, I obviously had my eyes opened. I got a chance to ride a Sherco, loved it, bought one. You know, with my own money, now ride it. Uh, regardless of what people are purchasing, I'm extremely 
impressed that people are asking questions now. I have so many people asking me questions about my Sherco. Have I ridden it against a beta, against a gas gas, anything like that, which I want to do. So if anybody out there is a beta or gas gas dealer and can get those bikes down to me and put it up against my Sherco, I think that would be a wicked cool video. But I'm just glad that we now have people asking questions because I don't, I'm not saying anything's wrong with KTM, but I mean, they had to buy Husky, right, to have competition. Um, but within that, at least they've never stopped innovating. They're smart enough people to realize that competition breeds innovation. So if they can't have, if there's no competition, but they want to innovate, well, they need to create competition. And they kind of did that with Husky. But I think what we're going to start seeing is we're going to start seeing these betas, these gas gases, these Shercos, these other brands out there really starting to put people up against them in their element, of course. We're not talking motocross or supercross to, you know, I wouldn't say changing the guard by any means, but to start at least putting pressure on them um, much more than they felt in the past 10 years. Yeah, it's definitely cool. I mean, and to be able to see all these brands stepping up and actually be competitive and in a lot of cases winning races. So, I mean, it's pretty darn cool. So, um, on the beta side, uh, I was surprised they had, you know, they added Mason Ottersburg for big six and Enduro cross and Mike Kwiatkowski moved over there. And so there's some, there's some new names coming out of that team. And of course, Max Gersten's back to defend his West hair scramble title. And right. I saw where he just won the opening round. So he's starting out well. And, um, yeah. Hey, by the I'm... way, isn't, isn't Sherco French? <laughs> they're Spanish. They're Spanish? They're Spanish, but the big bikes are made in France. Uh, I was thinking that was like a cool Cajun connection there, French or whatever, you know, New Orleans I, connection for you. I would just like to bike. say that I ride a French woman, but I don't. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could say I do. It's a, it's, a, it's a Spanish woman with French influence, maybe? Nice. I like it. Uh, I'll, I'll turn it any way I need just to make sure I have a good time. Well, so right now I'm staring at this silly picture that I took of Evan Smith where he's winking at me. And he's actually not. He's squinting because it's sunny out. Yeah, he's like, wearing it his, hurts. <laughs> yeah, wearing his Dirt Buzz t-shirt that I gave him that same day. It was cool. Good man. Just throw it on, you know, good dude. But, yeah, stoked for him. Landed himself a ride on the SRT Husqvarna team for this year. So, I, mean, I really think that kid seemed like he really stepped his game up at the end of the season to where he was a podium guy in uh, the full gas series. And so, I don't know. I see him doing – I see some good finishes out of him. Yes. Do we know why Kyle Redman was not at the rev limiter? Is he hurt? Because he was supposed to be there. Hmm. That I don't know. And then I think I saw – Maybe it was a Colton Haker vlog, and he had a wrist brace on, or I saw something, and he had a wrist brace on, and I was like, "What is that? What is?" Oh that? yeah, you're right. I did because I did the interview with him maybe a month or more ago, and he definitely had, his wrist, I guess, was broken throughout the Endurocross series. Or there was some kind of bone broken, and so he had to go in and have it basically had to have surgery on it, and so that's probably why. Hmm. And it just didn't heal up as much as he thought he would. But yeah, if you guys want to see some crazy stuff, dude, Corey Grafunder and Polly Walmart did awesome at Rev Limiter. Corey Grafunder actually got second overall 
Um, and it's neat, the moto format. That's the one thing I don't like about the TKO is that they go through all these races and all that may, really does is like get you into the final and then the final is the only thing that matters. Um, where I feel like that whole day of racing should, you know, count more. And so I like that Revlimiter does that a little bit differently. I think pretty sure the beer is kicking in for you because I'm pretty sure you just said Polly Walmer. Nice. Nice. I like that. Uh, what is it we would call it? Like We'll call him Piled Palmer. Wait, how did I say it? Polly, Polly Walmer. Polly Walmer? So how would yeah, we say Piled? Polly Walmer. Polly Walmer. <laughs> we'll call him Piled Polly Walmer. <laughs> Piled Driver Polly Walmer. <laughs> Piled Driver Waller. Uh, but, okay, so since we know that that's happening, uh, what... I think the only thing that really stands out for me as I look at some of the other stuff is Ricky Russell. Um, yeah. That one, I'm glad that he is on the Ampro team still and that they're giving him support. I think that he could be a contender. Obviously top five guy, hopefully always a top three. I think that it could be for him. But why don't they have any like XC2 guys listed? They, they've typically always had like three or four racers, right? Yeah. it's not. I don't think it's been officially announced, but I've heard that the the XC2 rider is this uh, young kid that was, uh, I think he might have been 250A or um, pro, what is it, is it 250 lights? There's like a lights class in GNCC that's 250F, um, light A, I think. Anyways, his name's Jonathan Johnson. You've probably heard of him. Um, yeah, I've heard he's going to be their XC2 kid and... They're just kind of grooming him to come up. He's going to be his first, you know, pro race will be this year. And so, yeah, that's, I guess that's what they're doing. They think cool. they can turn him into like a, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say turn him into a Josh Toth, but they feel like they can transform him into way more than, you know, what he's been so far. Kind of like what, I guess the, the Dungy's type story where like, you know, Dungy didn't win a whole lot until he turned pro and then all of a sudden right you know pretty amazing Turn, what he's done so i think <laughs> turned that's it on he's a hard worker evidently you know good people good family and so they're just i think they're going to go with him nice well hopefully we hear more from that and we can start paying attention to that a little bit soon um i think the last thing that i is like a big standout for me now that i kind of like breeze back through this again alta motors ty Tremaine, yep. enduro cross how cool is that that, well, for him, awesome. For Alta, fantastic. Uh, uh, I think this is going to be pretty spectacular because they've just announced what that their MX bike is pretty much eleven grand. I think their EX, which is their enduro e bike, is like thirteen grand, and I think their Supermoto is fourteen grand. If their motorbike is eleven grand. That is way too ridiculously close to a 450 gas-powered machine. Yeah, um, and I think we're gonna—I think we're gonna start seeing some prices drop on these gas-powered machines. And if not, they need to figure it the fuck out because yeah. if, an, if an electric bike cannot cost five hundred dollars more, they need to figure it out. They need to drop the prices. For me, I just—I'm just impressed because I feel like. I mean, he, he's your first electric bike factory rider, in essence. 
Oh, and they put out such a cool press release with all the pictures and the story that they put behind it and everything. I thought it was neat. Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing right. I feel like their stuff is, I mean, super impressive. I saw one firsthand. There's a KTM Alta uh, shop here that just opened up in Nampa, Idaho, which is about 20 minutes west of Boise here. And the one of the one of the sales guys fired that thing up and was showing me the different you know map settings basically for the the power output and it was just like unbelievable like how linear you can make it but you can also make it like kind of like a two-stroke hitting hitting the freaking power to where it's just I, I don't know you know, I'm kind of excited about it you know like Kiefer had one in his garage when I stayed with him at the Atlanta race and I'm pretty sure he just got I think there's a new model coming where they're going to be he's going to be getting a new one and he has nothing but good stuff to say about it. I love how you said they fired it up. Yeah, yeah, that's funny, right? <laughs> Turn a switch. And... Yeah, as if it, uh, as if there was a spark plug in there, and it was like, on the on the like the super power setting was just it almost like jerked the bike off the bike stand. Like there is that much sort of like, like torque and acceleration, and that's where I think feel like, I mean, eventually. Hopefully they'll get homologated for Supercross and things like that. To where, I mean, could you imagine how easy it would be to like jump a big double or triple out of a corner with one of those electric bikes? That well, that I mean, torque? if you had the testicular fortitude to do it, I'd imagine <laughs> that it would be very easy. Yeah. But if yeah. you're you're messing with somebody like me, then it doesn't make a difference what kind of bike you're on. <laughs> the testicular fortitude is just not there. Yeah. How weird is that going to be, though, someday when you're just cruising through the woods like a mountain bike where all you're hearing is a chain and it's, it's a little bit of a kind of whine when you're pinning it, but it's going to be pretty A little weird, whir. Yeah, a little whir. Yep. Yep. Oh, I, I, I'm on board uh, for all the right reasons. I think it's amazing. I think it's going to open up a whole other avenue of what motor, motorcycles can be. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I don't want to... I don't want to be one of the greenies about it, and I don't want to be one of the oil heads about it. Like, I want to stay open. I want to stay educated. I want to stay excited to know that people are going to continue to push our sport because this is going to create, um, you know, R&D on all aspects. Like, because now people are going to compete with this thing, right? So I think it's going to be, I think it's cool because it's going to push everybody to be better, smarter, and create better products at hopefully a cheaper price yeah i mean i i what i wonder is who's going to be the first one of the i guess you could say big five now because of ktm um i I would say they're probably the next one to bring an electric bike because they already kind of sort of have one right i mean well no well so i when this bike came out i said so what was it this bike was announced that they would be starting to sell them at the end of 2017, but the big play was for 2018. That's when, all of a sudden, the electric free ride was coming to the United States. There was no discussion about the KTM electric free ride ever coming to the United States. And then this this Ulta bike started taking off, and all of a sudden, it was a complete shift. People like Brian Story... You know, the people that have had KTM dealers for a very long time, they were like, hey, you know, we want to invite you to this thing where you can potentially become an electric free ride dealer. 
and they brought them all over to Austria and they learned about this and they were able to put their name in a hat and I think they picked 12 dealers to be dealers for the electric free rides. But then all of a sudden the electric free ride became the electric XC or whatever they call it. So they've now already put that electric free ride motor in like essentially a 250 XC chassis. So it's they've already figured out that they need to be the next person to make an electric dirt bike. And it's going to happen. I would imagine 2019 is when we would see KTM putting up something against the Alta. Yeah, you're right because I mean KTM has such a their production cycle is so much shorter than the than the the Japanese OEMs to where I mean they're 2 to 3 years out on something. So, I mean I would say if anybody my guess would be Yamaha would be the, the the first one of the Japanese to to bring an electric bike because they always seem like I mean they were the first ones with the with the four stroke. Yeah, they love pushing new technology, even if they're yeah. not, even if it seems out there, right? They they like bringing that new tech. Yep. So I see that being them being next. It'll be interesting to see what they come with, but because I just feel like the uh, the Japanese OEMs are just so so far behind like what KTM Husqvarna and all these other brands are doing. Cause it's just with that longer production cycle, they just can't react the way a KTM can. Yep. And what's neat is if you listen to some of Chris Kiefer's podcast and, and some of the stuff he's talked about on Pulp MX, it, the way that Alta works is unlike anything else in the industry which is great because it can to- I, I hope that it completely changes our industry because they're a startup they got venture capitalists right to put money up so that they could create these electric motorcycles and then they hired people like Chris Kiefer because they had a couple other test riders to say okay this is what we think we have tell us what's wrong with it and he was like well you created something with a lot of power but it rides like a piece of shit and he made it, he told them what they should change and within a week they told them to come back and they already had changes ready to go it's like that startup mentality is something that just doesn't happen in dirt bike world um, yeah and so with with a company like Alta out there that can work even quicker than a KTM i can only hope that it creates more drive and more determination in all of the other uh you know the big players out there if you will so that we can just see better dirt bikes and cheaper cost because there's just, I don't know I just feel like we're in a bad place yeah well uh, here we are an hour and 25 minutes into this podcast and just like you said earlier we get on the uh, on the horn with each other and it's going to be a five minute call and it's a half hour <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have an hour long call and it's going to be oh god let's not even do the math <clears throat> <laughs> well um I, I think, I mean, like, we, we've covered a lot of this stuff. I don't really, you know, it's, I don't have any big gotchas, right? It's the beginning of the year. I think I think one of the gotchas I have that, that I still am very interested to see how this plays out is what Russell Bobbitt and Cole Kirkpatrick are doing. I'm not, I'm not very, I'll be honest, like, I think Russell Bobbitt still has it. I think he could still be a top three contender when it comes to the National Enduros. It's going to be interesting to see his teammate Ben Spies out there. Obviously, road rage, you know, road racer uh, of of the stars. But I'm much more interested to see what Gnarly Roots Racing is going to be doing beyond that, right? Because 
what I wanted to do with Seat Time Adventures and that didn't work. I think that they're going to be, I think that they're going to do much more better because they have a lot more insight into those things. And I'm, that's what I'm excited about with the gnarly root stuff that's going to be coming to fruition. Yeah. I mean, those guys know how to do things right. I was super impressed with their kind of their PR, like their media kit, everything they sent out when they did their announcement and just the videos are top notch. You know, like you said, it's uh, Cole just does such a good job. You know, his style when he's shooting videos and even even photos, you know, the photos of Bobbitt uh, in his new fly gear. I don't know if you noticed that. But uh, I sure did. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it's just I think it's going to be a cool thing all the way across the board. I mean, it's going to he's going to race. They're going to do trail rise. And from what I understand, they're also going to do, I think, Bobbitt. And Kirkpatrick are also part of the uh, kind of the ADV side of things, so they're going to go on some a lot of adventure rides with KTM. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just good for the sport in general. And yeah, I guarantee you the rides they have are going to be good. They uh, Bobbitt was up here in Idaho last year, so he knows what's up in Idaho. So I have a feeling there's going to be. I'm pretty sure I already saw where there's going to be one of his rides are going to be up here in Idaho. You know, I don't really know what's up next for me. I don't really have anything on my calendar as far as events that I'm going to go, you know, have the Dirt Buzz experience at. But uh, uh, the good news is, is there is a direct flight from Boise to uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I'm looking for an excuse to come out and spend some time with you and maybe, you know, hit up that uh, uh, the race there in April. What is it again? Uh, Balls of Palooza. Yes, I'm thinking that might be a good excuse to come hop on a plane and come hang out and drink beers and watch people throw themselves up hills. <laughs> Attempt to throw themselves up hills. <laughs> oh, and I actually was, I think you and I, the last time we talked, I was saying I'm, I want to sponsor a section in that with Dirt Buzz and put up some money. And um, out of the kindness of my heart, I'm going to write a check of my own money so that I can support a cool event like that. So. Um, yeah, sounds like a sounds like I need to be there. Oh yeah, and we'll have the RV, so we'll have places to pee, poop, shower, and keep our beer cold. Yeah, the main thing for me is just gotta have a place to poop. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Trees and leaves are awesome, but when you can sit down, it's so much nicer. <laughs> anything, anything besides the Porter John is fantastic. I would agree, especially the ones out there at River River. Woo. Yeah, Ooh. I even wrote about that in the Big Six. I'm like, it was such a bonus to have real bathrooms. Oh, you and did? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of the stadium, right? The stadium. Yeah. Memory. Yeah, I love it. I yeah. love it. I mean, the older I get, you know, it's just about those little things, you know, the comfort, the creature comforts. If you will. All right. Well, Dale, how, if you had a Dirt Buzz podcast, how would you end it? Well, how would I end it? That's a tough question. You really put me on the spot. I would just say, um, I don't know, keep doing what you're doing out there, people, and uh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing here at Dirt Buzz, and I don't know, keep the buzz rolling. You know, like our our goal is to keep off-road fun and exciting and bring the attention that it deserves, and so, uh, yeah, let's keep the buzz rolling, everybody. I like it. So, guys, remember, Brian Pierce from Seat Time here. One, I want you to keep the buzz rolling. Two, remember to always enjoy a pint full of awesome. Um, 
pay attention to all of our social channels because we will be putting out any of the information. Obviously, pay attention, subscribe to Dale's, uh, what he's doing with Dirt Buzz because they do an amazing job of bringing great content that covers all the off-road wickedness that is out there that even people like us can't get to because, holy shit, there's so much greatness going on. This West Coast, East Coast, Central Coast things. But yeah, so going to be at King of the Mountain very shortly, strangely enough. Um, I just, I want as much feedback as possible. So thank you very much for everybody that's emailed me about doing the history lessons. Everybody that's emailed me about the podcast, people that have left comments on the YouTube videos. Um, I just really stink and appreciate it. And it just makes coming into a new, a new year that much easier. Um, and, and, and yeah, it makes you feel like it's, it's worth doing. Um, and, you know, it's great to be able to talk about dirt bikes, but it's great when other people want to listen and be involved in that conversation. So keep emailing, emailing me your comments, keep emailing Dale comments to do different things, come and do events. And I guess, uh, we'll see you on the internet. <laughs>